Section 5 of Herbals, Their Origin and Evolution A Chapter in the History of Botany This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shushang Jakmola Herbals, Their Origin and Evolution A Chapter in the History of Botany by Agnes Arbor Fourth the botanical renaissance of the sixteenth and seventeenth centuries part two the herbal in the low countries in the sixteenth century the herbal flourished exceedingly in the low countries this was due in part to the zeal and activity of the botanists of the netherlands but perhaps even more to the munificence and love of learning for its own sake which distinguished that prince of publishers christophe plantin of antwerp in these qualities he forms a notable contrast to ignolf of frankfurt to whose shortcoming we have already drawn attention plantin's life extended from about fifteen fourteen to fifteen eighty nine and thus included the central years of that wonderful century he was a native of touraine and studied the art of printing at caen and other french towns towards fifteen fifty he and his wife jeanne Revry, settled in antwerp where he worked at bookbinding and his wife sold linen in a little shop later he returned to the profession of printing and his business in this direction gradually developed and was eventually transferred to the famous meissenplanten christophe's reputation grew to such an extent that great efforts were made in various quarters to tempt him from antwerp the duke of savoy and Piedmont, for instance did all he could to persuade him to come to turin promising him extensive printing works and all necessary funds but he remained faithful to the city of his adoption perhaps the most potent factor in his success was his keen judgment of men which enabled him to choose his subordinates that he gathered around him an unrivalled staff one of plantin's daughters married jean mortius her father's chief assistant and successor and from him the business descended through eight generations of printers to edward jean hyacinthe moretus the last of his race from whom in eighteen seventy six the citizens of antwerp purchased the meissen plantin and its contents the house had remained practically unchanged since the days when christophe plantin lived and worked there and it is now preserved as the musee plantin moretus it is built round a rectangular courtyard and its beauty both in proportion and in detail in such that one feels at once that plantin achieved the ambition he expressed in his charming sonnet le bonheur de ce monde ova une maison commande propre et belle the pictures furnitures and hangings and not only the very presses fonts and furnaces for casting the type but even the old account books and corrected proof sheets are still to be seen all in their appropriate places the wage books are preserved showing the weekly earnings of compositors engravers and bookbinders throughout a period of three centuries in short the meissen plant in beggars description and a visit there is an infallible recipe for transporting the imagination back to the time of renaissance when printing was in its first youth and was treated with reverence due to one of the fine arts 
The first Belgian botanist of worldwide renounce was Rembert Dodiens, or Dodinius. He was a contemporary of Plantin, having been born at Malinus in 1517. He studied at Leuven and visited the universities and medical schools of France, Italy and Germany, eventually qualifying as a doctor. He was successful in his profession, being physician to the emperors Maximilian II and Rudolf II and finally becoming professor of medicine at Leiden, where he died in 1585. His interest in the medical aspect of botany led him to write a herbal, and in order to illustrate it, he obtained the use of the wood blocks which had been employed in the octavo edition of Fute's work. To these, a number of new engravings were added. The book was published in Dutch in the year 1554 by Vanderloo, under the title Crudebuk. The text is not a translation of Futures, as is sometimes supposed, although Dodians took Futures as his model for the order of description of each plant. The method of arrangement in his own, and he indicates localities and times of flowering in the Low Countries, information which clearly could not have been derived from the earlier writer. Almost simultaneously with the first Dutch edition, a French issue appeared under the title of Histoire des Plantes. The translation was carried out by Charles de Ecluse, with whose own work we shall shortly deal. Dodian supervised the production of the book and took the opportunity to make some additions. It became known in England through Light's translation, which will be discussed in a later section of this chapter. The last Dutch edition of the Herbal, for which the author himself was responsible, was printed by Vanderloo in 1563. The publisher then parted with the Fisher's blocks, which were probably acquired by the printer of Light's Dodians in England. This circumstance put great difficulties in the way of Dodians' wish to reproduce his Herbal in Latin. However, it proved a blessing in disguise, for he had the good fortune to meet in Christophe Plantin's un homme que ne reclare devant aucune dépense pour donner ouvra qui sortien de se presse toute la perfection et le mérite dont il est entièrement susceptibles. Plantin undertook to produce a much modified Latin translation of the herbal and to have new plots engraved for it, while students on his side engaged to supply the artists with the fresh plants and to superintend their labors. The work proceeded slowly and was published in parts. It was finally completed in 1583 and was produced in one volume under the name of Stirpium Historiae Pompede Sex Save Libri Trigenta. In this work, by far the largest number of the figures are original. Some, however, were borrowed from De Cluse and De Obel. This arose from the fact that Plantin was also the publisher for both these writers, and as he bore the expense of their blocks, he had an arrangement with the three authors that their illustration should be treated as common property. A few of Dodian's figures were based upon those in the famous manuscript of Dioscorines, now at Vienna. In the Pemtades, the botanist in Dodian's was more to the fore, and the physician less in evidence than in his earlier work. It is particularly difficult to appraise with any exactness the services which Dodians rendered to botany. Between him and his two younger countrymen, de Ocluse and de Obel, 
There was so intimate a friendship that they freely imparted their observations to one another and permitted the use of them, and also of their figures, in one another's book. To attempt to ascertain exactly what degree of merit should be attributed to each of the three would be a task equally difficult and thankless. Charles de Cluse, or Clusius, was born at Arras in the French Netherlands in 1526. Like Dudians, he passed the closing years of his life at Leiden. He studied at Leuven and other universities, including Montpellier, where he came under the influence of the botanists, Guillaume Rondelet, who also numbered D'Alecamps, D'Aubel, Pierre Repena, and Jean Bohin among his pupils. De Cluse was an enthusiastic adherent of the Reformed faith to which he was converted by the influence of Melanchthon, and he suffered religious persecution which brought even actual martyrdom to some of his relatives. Though he himself did not lose his life, he was deprived of his property, and between poverty and ill health, his career seemed to have been a melancholy one. He passed a nomad existence, attached at one time as tutor to some great family, while, at others, he was occupied in writing or translating for Rondelet, Dodians, or Plantin, or undertaking precarious employment at the court of Vienna. The University of Leiden finally appointed him to a professorship. It is interesting to note that he paid more than one visit to England, and that he was intimate with Sir Francis Drake, who gave him plans from the New World. Del Clouse had a reputation for versatility scarcely exceeded by that of his contemporary, the admirable Christian. He is said to have had a wide knowledge of Latin, Greek, French, German, Flemish, Spanish, law, philosophy, history, geography, zoology, mineralogy, and numismatics, besides his chosen subject of botany. Since his botanical debut was made as the translator of Dodin's, we may with reason look upon him as a disciple of the latter. The first original work Del Clouse produced was an account of the plants which he had observed while on an adventurous expedition to Spain and Portugal with two pupils. This was so successful botanically that he brought back two hundred new species. The description of his finds was published by Plantin in 1576, under the title of Rariorum Eliquat Stirpium per Hispanias Observatorum Historia. Woodblocks were engraved purposefully for this book, but, for the confusion of the bibliographer, some of them were also used to illustrate Dodian's work in the interval while the Spanish flora of Del Clouse awaited a publication. In 1583 appeared our author's second work which did the same service for the botany of Austria and Hungary as the previous volume had done for the botany of Spain. These two works, together with some additional matter, were republished in 1601 as the Reorum Plantarum Historia. In this book, the species belonging to the same genus are often brought together, but beyond this, there is little attempt at systematic arrangement. De Clouse was weak in the synthetic faculty, his strength lying rather in his powers of observation. Cuvier reckons that he added more than 600 to the number of known plants. It is characteristic of his versatile mind that his botanical interests were not confined, like those of most of the early workers, to flowering plants. 
a manuscript is preserved in the Leiden Library containing more than 80 beautiful watercolour drawings of fungi executed under the direction of Dale Clouse by artists employed by his great friend and patron Baron Baldessar de Bethiani. This gentleman is said to have been so enthusiastic a botanist that he set a Turkish prisoner at liberty on the condition that he should obtain plants for him from Turkey. Delacluse seemed to have been a man of wide friendships, and his botanical correspondence was very large. He did much for horticulture, and is called by his friend Marie de Bremen, Princess de Chimay, Le Pere de Tos Le Bures, Jardin de Saipes. He deserves special gratitude for one benefit of a very practical nature, namely the introduction of the potato into Germany and Austria. It is worth of note that Der Clouse, unlike the majority of the herbalists, was not a physician, and although he laid considerable stress on the properties of plants, he was not preoccupied with the medical side of the subject. He studied plants for their own sake and abandoned the futile effort to identify them with those mentioned by the ancients. The third of the tri of botanists whom we are now considering is Matthias de Lobel, who was born in Flanders in 1538 and died in England at Highgate in 1616. He studied at Montpellier under Guillaume Rondelet, who finally bequeathed to him his botanical manuscripts. Here also he became acquainted with a young provincial Pierre Pena, with whom he afterwards collaborated in botanical work. De Lobel took up medicine as his profession and eventually became physician to William the Silent, a post which he held until the assassination of the Stadtholder. Later on, he and Pena came to England, probably to seek a peaceful life under the prosperous sway of Queen Elizabeth, which was so favourable to the arts and sciences. Their principal work was dedicated to her in terms of hyperbolic praise. De Lobel seems to have been well received in this country but he was invited to superintend the medicinal garden at Hackney, belonging to Lord Zouche, and he eventually obtained the title of botanist to James I. De Lobel's chief botanical work was the Stirpium Adversaria Nova, published in 1570, with Pena as joint author. Pena does not appear to have been a botanist of much importance, and he eventually quite forsook the subject in favour of medicine. It has been suggested, however, that De Lobel was inclined to minimize the value of his colleague's work. The system of classification, upon which De Lobel's reputation really rests, is set forth in this book. The main feature of this scheme is that he distinguishes different groups by the peculiarities of their leaves. He is thus led to make a rough separation between the classes which we now call dicotyledons and monocotyledons. The details of his system will be considered in a later chapter. In 1576, the work was enlarged and published as the Plantarum Seu Stirpium Historia. It was also translated into Flemish and appeared under the title of Kreuteburg in 1581, dedicated to William of Orange, and the Burgomasters and other functionaries of Antwerp. The blocks used to illustrate this work were taken from previous books, especially those of Delacluse, Immediately after the publication of Kreuteburg, Plantin brought out an album of the engravings it had contained, which, 
although they had also been used to illustrate the herbals of Dodians and Delacluse, were now grouped according to Delobel's arrangement, which was recognized as the best. End of chapter 4, part 2